Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. And now, live on 670 The Score and on the Odyssey app, it's Anthony Heron, former NFL defensive lineman and Iowa Hawkeye, football analyst for 670 The Score, Fox Sports, Sirius XM, Big Ten Network, and NBC Sports. Anthony Heron on 670 The Score. I live in the neighborhood, so I saw a lot of the faces on their way to Soldier Field this morning as I finished my Fox kickoff duties this morning with Luke Canellis. Saw a lot of folks on their way to the stadium looking perhaps a bit pensive, eager. There are a lot of Lions fans in town as we were on the move across the city over the last couple of days, but certainly this morning. Saw them again after the game ended. More Bears fans looking excited, looking exuberant with what they had just seen over at Soldier Field with that 28-13 victory that the Bears put on the division-leading Detroit Lions. This is Anthony Heron. This is the Post Post Show on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Got my guy Alex Kuhn on the ones and twos. Up until 630 this evening, we'll take you up to Sunday Night Football pregame coverage on the score between the Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles. But I want you to get engaged here as well. 312-644-6767. A home win for the Bears. Back-to-back victories for the Bears. Led by Matt Eberflus. I see you out there on the phone lines. We will get to you in just one moment. Some initial thoughts on what we saw today and where the Bears sit at the moment. It was almost like some folks kind of feared getting to this position right now where you looked at the the closing stretch of games here and how pivotal it felt like it would be for the Bears. And I think some folks were even pensive just in thinking about what would happen if the Bears began to win. What would it feel like if things did turn in the affirmative, had, had a bit of a, a positive change down the stretch here? And there's no doubt that that's now the case with back-to-back wins in the division, teams who at the time – had winning records. The Minnesota Vikings go down, and the Bears did that on the road. So Eberflus gets a road division win, got his, his division win, his first division win period last week, and now avenging, to a certain extent, the loss to Detroit just a few weeks back. And so facing the Lions two out of the first three games that Justin Fields has been back in the lineup, and for him, a team who he certainly ran the ball well against, hasn't always thrown it well against the Lions, but there were a couple of things I thought felt unique about the game today that I'll get into here. But on the whole, Justin Fields' numbers in the game, 19 out of 33, 223 yards, a touchdown pass, also 58 rushing yards in the game with a touchdown run as well. So another productive game for Fields. It was a game, though, that I I didn't feel like Justin Fields was was seeing the field as cleanly, didn't look. You know, I, I thought he, he looked somewhat hesitant as a passer throughout much of the first half of the game, 
So as, as exceptional as some of the moments were that he had with his legs in the first half, I didn't necessarily think it was, it was that effective a first half as a passer for Justin Fields. What I liked was when the Bears came out, the defense, you know, Detroit had an opportunity for a two-for-one where they, they closed the first half with a touchdown, and the Bears had a couple of snaps to run at the end of the half. But essentially, Detroit was the last team with an opportunity to run a full drive because Matt Eberflus took the football, began the game on offense. This has become you know, his staple at this point where he began doing it a couple of months ago, and he pretty consistently does that now when the Bears win the toss. He opens with the football, and in this game, Detroit had their opportunity for a two-for-one. And they essentially had their two-for-one, but the Bears' defense is now playing at a level where that two-for-one didn't really end up going advantage Detroit, where the Lions essentially ended the first half with a touchdown, even though the Bears got a couple of snaps of the football after that to close out half number one, and then they open the second half with the ball. But this new version of the Bears' defense, this nouveau riche Bears' D, was able to force a three and out for Detroit in half number two, get the offense on the field with the football. And we saw a couple of times in the third quarter where the Bears got into some tempo, and it looked like there were maybe a series or two, certainly a play or two, where the Bears attempted to go a little bit of tempo in the first half. But the tempo they went in the third quarter became effective because it was tempo in the passing game, and that seemed to me to be a bit of a trigger to get Justin Fields into a rhythm as a passer where there was, you know, and Mark Slareth and Adam Amin, they even touched on it a bit during the broadcast because it's the main storyline about Justin Fields, even going back to his collegiate days. And, you know, I would imagine most of you have heard me sing the praises about the potential of Justin Fields, but even as I evaluated him coming out of Ohio State, the idea of him becoming more, more decisive, more anticipatory, more rhythmic as a passer, that goes back to his time in college, and it certainly followed him here to the National Football League. But not every quarterback is cut from the same cloth, and that's why, to me, what I like about the way Luke getsy has been operating offensively is that we're now seeing, and you know, I, I didn't love it in the, the second half and certainly in the fourth quarter of the game, the last game against the Minnesota Vikings, where you did get away. I thought Luke Getze got away from some called pocket movement and called QB runs, and the pocket became pretty stagnant, especially in the passing attack. I, I really liked it throughout the game today, just like was the case the last time the Bears faced the Lions. Luke Getze continued to call Justin Fields into some movement. And so even though it didn't lead to big pass plays in the first half of the game, but I thought Justin Fields, I liked the wrinkle in the second half where Getze called a little bit of hurry up. That seemed to activate the Bears passing attack in a really effective way. And on the whole, the Bears offense responded really well in some key moments. Certainly, I'm sure a lot of you who are either there at Soldier Field who are listening in right now or who are watching the game on television, recall the 4th and 13 that the Bears took advantage of, that you know Justin Fields and D.J. Moore talked about it a bit after the game, that they didn't necessarily even plan to, to run a play with certainty. You know, they just went out there with the, you know, the, the basically you know, a, a freeze play where you're hoping to draw the defense offside, see if you can potentially get some cheap yards. Maybe, if you're lucky, get a free play out of it. Justin Fields goes with the hard count, draws the defense off sides, and Justin Fields, and perhaps most importantly, Lucas Patrick, to his credit, snaps the football. Justin Fields receives it. DJ Moore is ready to go. One-on-one matchup is there. They take advantage of it in a decisive moment in the game, a game that is tied in the third quarter. They throw Justin Fields throws a 38-yard touchdown strike to DJ Moore. 
Bears take a lead from there and differently from the similar situation the Bears were in once they had a 12-point lead in the fourth quarter at Ford Field a few weeks ago where things just kind of crumbled from there. This was a game we just had the sense in all phases that the Bears weren't going to be denied by Detroit Lions squad. That certainly isn't quite playing at the level they were earlier in the season. But regardless of that, this is now yet another game. You go back to the early portion of the season here, and the Denver Broncos game, the fourth game of the season for the Bears, that they they collapsed in the fourth quarter, gave up that huge lead to the Denver Broncos. That was, to me, really the starting point of the stretch that we've seen in here right now. The L.A. Chargers is the only game that the Bears kind of didn't show up for, and that's whether it's been Justin Fields at quarterback or Tyson Bagent at quarterback. This is a team that has been in the majority of the games, and now over the last nine games, the Bears with a 5-4 and four record throughout that stretch. And you certainly need to give credit to Matt Eberflus for, for leading the team through. That, that first month of the season was absolutely dreadful. It was just brutal in so many different ways. To come out of the offseason in the way that they did, and we, we've talked about it here on this station uh, nonstop, and to, to see the way that the team has built towards this point, the way they've responded, the way the locker room has stayed engaged, because it's not easy. Now, it's not as difficult when you have a young team, when you have an inexperienced team, when you have a number of players on the team who aren't on long-term deals and who are trying to prove it to get to that next stage, that next phase of their career then part of the, the ability to respond in this moment is somewhat by design because when you get long in the tooth, when you got a bunch of guys who are maybe on the other side of that hill in their playing career, then it can be more difficult to keep veteran-laden rosters engaged and intact. But credit to Matt Eberflus for the way that he's kept this squad locked in to get to this point where over the last nine games they are now 5-4, and four, and they have been, again, aside from that L.A. Chargers game, aside from that every game over the last couple of months, the Bears have been right there with opportunities to win in the second half. Part of that is just life in the National Football League. There's no doubt about that. But that it feels like that is the minimum standard. And for a little while, you said, all right, this is a team that plays hard week in and week out. They seem engaged. They're giving themselves chances to win. But then they consistently lose over and over again. But now it feels like the Bears are now going beyond that minimum standard and are in, in a way where I've compared this season's Bears squad to, and I'm not the only one, the Bears within that locker room have hearkened to this team, Detroit, that they've now outplayed for, I would say, seven out of the eight quarters that they've played the Lions over the last uh, three games here. The Bears have played the Lions two, uh, throughout the last three games. And they've outplayed them seven out of those eight quarters, essentially. At least six out of those eight quarters. Only one win to show for it. But you're seeing a team that is getting better. You're seeing production at a variety of positions, that defensive front. Certainly we'll get into that in deeper detail as we move forward here. 312-644-6767. And let me go ahead and get out to the phone lines here, get some of your reactions. I'm sure you are eager to talk about what you just saw today from the Bears taking down the division-leading Detroit Lions, 28-13, to doing it at home at Soldier Field. So let's get out to Brad, who is on the line right now. I believe Brad is out in Missouri, or out in Morris. Brad is out in Morris. Brad, what's happening? You're on the score. What's up, Big Ant? What's up? So how many times does it take for Fields to prove that he's not the problem? It's Getsy. <laughs> take, take that pick, trade it back. Make sure you get Harrison Jr. 
and build around and get a new offensive coordinator because Getsy is trash. Um, outside of the first drive of every game, he's proven that time and time again. Uh, Fields, I mean, if you draft Caleb Williams, the golden boy, he's 2.0 of Fields. Just keep Fields, build around him. Um, you know, everybody's scared of Drake May because Trubisky. Just build around Fields. Get a new OC, and you're good to go. All right, Brad, very definitive in his thoughts that keeping Justin Fields makes sense here. And, you know, there are so many levels. I was just talking about it across the street in our post-game coverage over on Fox 32. Me and my guy, Luke Canellis, we're talking about it on camera. We're talking about it off camera. We're even talking with, with Dane Pleco and Natalie Baumke about it off the air as well because there will be some critical decisions, of course, this coming off season, the, the consequential nature of the decisions that will be had at Soldier Field. And the phone lines are already lit up, but as I take you up to Sunday Night Football coverage here on the Post Post Show, the question that's in my mind is this, and I was just talking to, to Patrick Manley about this a moment ago as he was finishing up the postgame coverage here, and I was getting ready to come into the studio. The, the positions, the personnel that are most in question, I, I suppose you can throw Ryan Poles into the mix as well, but I've been saying for weeks as I've been asked about it on this station and everywhere else, I feel like Ryan Poles is safe, so I'm not going to include Ryan Poles in this, but if we look at Matt Eberflus, Luke Getze, and Justin Fields, I would say that's sort of the triumvirate, and they don't have a defensive coordinator right now. They have a head coach who is calling the defenses. So that's kind of your, your triumvirate of, of personnel that it feels like this finishing stretch of the season is most consequential for. Matt Eberflus, Luke Getze, and Justin Fields. I think all of them are getting better at their jobs. Now, I know we just had Brad on the line a moment ago. He is all out on Getze. I'm not all out on Getsy. Now, I told Dan Bernstein and Lawrence Holmes I'm going to be on with them uh, on Football Monday tomorrow as I am every Monday. But I told them after week one that that was the worst game I felt like Luke Getsy had ever called in the way the Bears opened the season against the Green Bay Packers. And frankly, it took a few weeks for it to improve for whatever reason. That to me is a slightly separate conversation from where they're at right now. But I do believe Luke Getsy has definitively gotten better as an offensive play call. It is imperfect. Yes, fourth and one toss play to DJ Moore. It didn't work, and I understand why there would be issues with that. But on the whole, I like what I see from Luke Getze throughout the full course of a game, much more now than I did early in the season than I did a lot of last season. I feel like Matt Eberflus. I mean, the results are there. Them winning games, the Bears winning games is a part of what proves Matt Eberflus is better. But I even think just the in-game management, the situational Aggression. I'm not one of these guys who thinks you go for every fourth down. Once you cross the 35 or the 40-yard line, every fourth down is created equal. I don't think that. But what I do believe is the, the number crunchers and, and the metrics crowd would, would take issue with Matt Eberflus sort of eschewing the, the two-for-one potential by taking the ball to start the game. But what that to me says about Matt Eberflus is that he now in year two on the job feels like this is just what this particular group, what his team benefits from to start on offense and be able to come out of the shoot with an impressive drive early in the game. And it's, it's sort of unquantifiable. But again, you know, five and four over the last nine games, that decision that we've seen play out for a couple of months now with him pretty consistently, every opportunity he has, he takes the ball first. It's, it's not what the norm is in the National Football League right now. But it's just one of, of a variety of decisions. The, the most obvious one is the play of his defense, which even when he had 
Allen Williams as a defensive coordinator, he had his hands more so in invested on in what's happening on the Bears' defensive side of the football. But on the whole, the way that his defense is performing under his leadership, under his tutelage, and I would say that his offensive coordinator getting better at the task, I think running a version of Bears' offense that Justin Fields is better at, that this offensive line benefits from, you can't divorce Matt Eberflus from some credit for that as well. So I believe Matt Eberflus is getting better on the job. Luke Getze is getting better on the job. I don't think there's much doubt Justin Fields is getting better on the job. But none of those three has shown from any definitive angle that they are the ones who you should definitively move forward with at that task. Here's my question to do, and the phone lines are already lit up, but I'm going to be curious to hear some of the callers' thoughts on this, and I'll share mine as we get deeper into the show. Which of these three positions, whether you think they all got to go or if you think they all should stay, and based off what I see Alex you know, putting in the, the call screeners here, there's opinions all over the place on this. Or if it's somewhere in between, that flu should stay, feel should go, feel should stay, flu should go. I'm curious which of those three spots, the head coach, the offensive play caller, or the quarterback, which is the most difficult to replace? If we get through this final month of the season and – We can kind of look at this universally and say all three are improving, but none have proved that they are definitively the answer for the Bears moving forward. Which of those three spots do you say, all right, if we're going to go into the coaching carousel or if we're going to try to get a new offensive coordinator in here or if the Bears say, you know what, we got the number one overall pick, let's get a young quarterback in here and kind of start from scratch with a rookie. If you feel like the head coach is starting to win some games or the offensive coordinator is now starting to put some points on the board or this quarterback is showing he can play winning football but none are showing that they are definitively amongst the elite at their position in the NFL, which of those three spots is it most difficult if you move on to get someone else who can do it at a high level? Curious for your thoughts on that at 312-644-6767. Let me get back out to the phone lines because I know there's already plenty of thoughts on what folks have been seeing, what you saw today at Soldier Field as the Bears took down the the division-leading Detroit Lions, did it by 15 points, man. I mean, dominated the second half of this game on defense, on offense, and, oh, yeah, on special teams as well. Credit to Coach Hightower for what he's doing in that phase of the game also. Let's get Robert out in Countryside on the line right now. What's happening, Robert? Yeah. I'm doing great. Good, good. Great win today. I love your show. Uh, love the morning show, gets me through the morning. My question is kind of a similar theme of what you guys have been talking about. Um, my thoughts are, and maybe this is just so crazy, but probably not any crazier than things I've heard, read, and, and probably even said myself. Uh, I think Matt Eberflu has done a great job with the defense. Um, I, why don't the Bears consider bringing a strong offensive mind into town and help the offense and maybe this is ridiculous, give a little more responsibility to Ryan Poles, and forgive me, I don't remember the gentleman's name that came from the Big Ten. Sounds like both of these gentlemen want to be a little more involved. Then let's let them be a little more involved. Hire a strong offensive coordinator. You're going to probably, and I don't know how the pay works, but you're going to pay Matt Eberfluth anyway if you let him go. For I think he's got, I don't know if he's got another year or whatever, but maybe we keep him on as a co uh, head coach or split the duties as a head coach with an offensive strong uh, mind and uh, let him do what he's done with the defense. He's obviously made it much better than it was. 
Um, maybe that's just as crazy as everybody else in Chicago, but, <laughs> but I thought I would just throw that out there. First time caller. Great to hear you. Great to hear the show. And, uh, tell, uh, Mully and Haw I said, good morning. I, I will certainly do that, Robert. I hope Mully and Haw are listening. If they're not, I will make sure I'll tell them you said good morning. An avid listener to the station and apparently to the Mully and Haw show as well. Mully just got done with the postgame show here on the score, but, Robert's idea of of essentially keeping Matt Eberflus, but in some ways, I guess maybe demoting him or or sort of having someone else come in and share the head coaching responsibilities. If you get a prominent offensive mind in here to run the offense, I don't think you necessarily have to have to say that Matt Eberflus will give up some of the head coaching title or responsibilities to bring in a prominent offensive coordinator. The issue the Bears would have is this: if you get rid of Luke Getze, and then Matt Eberflus goes into year three. This final month is crucial in a lot of ways because, in theory, you would want it to look appetizing for another offensive mind to come in if the Bears decided to move on from Luke Getze. And I'm seeing plenty of the reaction on the text line right now. You know, we've had a couple of callers already who are done with Luke Getze. I'm certainly not. And I, I, Anthony Herod, have been – I was the first one saying how awful Luke Getzey was in the initial weeks of this season. I think he's been much better in recent weeks. I think he's been much better, still inconsistent. I really – I don't love either game plan against the Minnesota Vikings, but essentially against anyone who hasn't been the Minnesota Vikings for the last couple of months, I felt much better about the offensive game plan, the play-calling implementation of Luke Getzey imperfect yes I mean the, the fourth and one if you want to say that you know I'm, I'm not going to act like the fourth and one toss play to DJ Moore was the only play call of the game from Luke Getze today had we ever seen the Bears going to the Wildcat formation with DJ Moore before today that was the first touchdown run it was a thing of beauty now it was executed really well also and if a lot of you are being honest with yourselves you get into the red zone and you go Wildcat with DJ Moore if that would have gotten stuffed in the same way that fourth and one got stuffed most of you would be hammering Luke Getze for that play call too, but it worked. And so Matt Eberflus is being asked post-game about how inventive and creative. How much did he love that play call from Luke Getze? A lot of you are, be- are very results-based in your reaction. If you're really being honest with yourselves about it, I try not to be results-based in my reaction. So, no, I didn't like the fourth-and-one play call either way. The decision to go for the fourth-and-one, I like that. The play call. I didn't love that one so much, but as I've told you early in the season, there have been times where they've gotten stuffed on fourth and one that I didn't mind it. There have been times where they've converted fourth and one where I didn't like the play call. But that, to me, I'm not going to act like that was the one call from Luke Getze throughout the game, whereas I think a lot of you will sort of encapsulate that as the reason Luke Getze shouldn't move forward, where it should be the full body of work. And I do think, just judging him game by game, I do think he has certainly gotten better on the job. But is, is he one of the most consistent or most creative minds in football? No. He's not that. So if you're judging him against some of the greats in the business, no, he's he definitely not anywhere near that. But I do think Luke Getz, he's getting better at what he's doing, and we're seeing some of that in the results from the Bears' offense in-game as well. Now, for Justin Fields as a quarterback, this is where they have to be able to work in tandem. I, I think between the two in the first half, I thought Luke Getz, he had a better day in the first half of the game than Justin Fields did. And, and they're not at odds. They're working through this thing together. But as far as how, you know, a lot of you are going to want to split up the blame pie on this thing. I didn't think Justin Fields saw the field very clean, cleanly in the first half. I, I thought he was hesitant both in the pocket and out of the pocket as a passer. I really love, though, what he began to do in the second half of the game. I feel like tempo in the second half of the game, and I, I don't know if, if uh, 
Justin Fields or if Matt Eberflus addressed this. I haven't heard the full post-game podium sound from either guy at this point, but I don't know if they addressed this at all post-game. But it felt to me like some of the tempo that the Bears began to use in the third quarter. Really liked the response from Justin Fields there. And part of that credit to Luke Getze, to Matt Eberflus, for finding a way to get the offense jump-started. Because I would say this is, this is a rare example of a game where the Bears' offense – We've certainly seen the Bears' offense come out hot in the scripted portion of things and then fizzle. Today was another example of that where they came out hot during the scripted portion of things, those first 15-ish plays, the first drive or two, and then fizzle. But I really like the response in this game where, where the offense did hit another gear and in tandem with the outstanding play of the Bears' defense, then they began to overwhelm the opponent. And no, not every drive ended with a touchdown. And there were times where the Bears offense took the field with advantageous field position and it ended up in a field goal as opposed to a touchdown. But man, that's life in the NFL. I think you got to be a little bit realistic about the standard that the Bears offense is being held to, just like it was worthy of being realistic about the, the standard the Bears defense was being held to, that they are now growing into the mode that we're seeing them operating in right now. We're week in, week out. I think it's fair to say that we should expect a level of dominance from the Bears' defense on a weekly basis because of what we've now seen. Now, you know the best offense that they've faced as of late, two out of the last three games, has been the Detroit Lions, and they've performed really well against the Lions for the most part. Go back to the Chargers game, that wasn't the case. But you know statistically, the Bears have been one of the better defenses in football for now the majority of the season. And there's only a handful of offenses in football that you would say – they're just going to light anyone up regardless of who the opponent is. Majority of the league is right there kind of middle class. That's the majority of the NFL. And all those kind of middle class-ish teams, the Bears defense would take the field and dominate them. That, that's what we're seeing as of late. And there's no reason to expect that that wouldn't continue. 312-644-6767. Phone lines are full. I'm going to take a quick time out. Come back and keep this thing rolling. It's the Post Post Show. I'm Anthony Heron on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. And now the Bears on fourth down and long at the plus 37. It's a little bit out of the range of Cairo Santos, at least the comfortability of it. 
He got the jump. It's a free play. Fields for Moore. Got him. Touchdown. Bears lead. Onside. Defense number 97. That penalty is declined. It's overplayed. Touchdown. A wild sequence. And just like that, the one-two punch of Fields and Moore delivers again. Well, you're going to get the safety come down here, so you know you've got one-on-one -on -one with Moore on the bottom of the screen. Justin Fields reads it perfectly. Watch this. On to, into, the, into the boundary right here. He sees that one-on-one, -on -one and Moore just burns Jacobs for the touchdown. We're back live with more Anthony Heron on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. So I know when you get linemen in the booth, not everybody is into it. It's just a subjective gig in general. But I, I'm fond of Mark Slareth, both on the air and off. But, man, we, we get to hear Adam Amin all the time in this town, by the way. He's just, he's just really good at the gig. And in a situation where now we're, we're going to lose the honor of, of hearing Jason Benetti on a regular basis, at least locally on White Sox games, we'll certainly hear him all the time nationally as he continues to, to dominate the national landscape, but Adam Amin is so good on, on hoops, on baseball, and certainly on football as well. So I just wanted to point that out really quickly, but that was such a pivotal moment in the game, and, and his call of that moment, just kind of setting the scene really quickly for the game scenario on 4th and 13 and the free play of it. Him and Schlereth really quickly before that were just talking about the chaos of, of Detroit thinking that maybe it should have been an intentional grounding, which ends up being a really subjective call by officials game in and game out, and then they say, no, okay, incomplete pass. The defender was hitting him, and he was trying to throw it. And, you know, it was good hustle by multiple Bears offensive linemen at key moments in the game as well, where neither time, whether it was that moment on the previous play to the one we just heard, where Darnell Wright went ahead and recovered the ball just in case it was ruled a fumble, even though it wasn't early in the game. Braxton Jones in the scenario where Justin Fields ended up uh, nearly – fumbling the football, but he was down. His hip was down, but the ball came out, and Braxton Jones hustles and goes to recover the ball. Love the hustle we see from the Bears' offensive line, but specific to Justin Fields, to the Bears' quarterback right now, the last five full games that Justin Fields has started and finished, 1,226 passing yards and 10 passing touchdowns, 305 rushing yards, and a rushing touchdown with a 107.7 passer rating now I'm you know I, I think many of you have heard me on this station over the years you know that I'm I, I don't marry myself just to statistics in in trying to gauge the success or failure of an individual player but the last five full games of Justin Fields and and I would I would argue frankly that every game not named Minnesota that Justin Fields has played since the Denver game the Denver Broncos were the first opponent that, in my opinion, the Bears played this season where Luke Getze kind of snapped out of whatever fog that he was in in the offseason and said, let me get this guy on the move. And since that Denver game, like, yeah, there was the whole thing with the media going into the Kansas City game, and then they still kind of left him in the pocket a bunch and things didn't go well, and Justin Fields still has a lot of developing to do as a pocket passer, as I've talked about on this show tonight and, and certainly throughout the career of Justin Fields. But since that Denver game, I don't think he looked great. I don't think Luke Getze was good in either of the Minnesota games. That blitz package still seems to have both Fields and Getze kind of confounded. But beyond those Vikings games, every game Justin Fields has played, I think he's played really well. Now, has he played at a level that it would make sense 
for Ryan Poles, that it would make sense for Kevin Warren, that it would make sense for the Chicago Bears to again pass up on the potential for the number one overall pick. Part of that will not only be, in my opinion, gauging the individual productivity of Justin Fields, but also whether or not the Bears are winning with him. And now the Bears in back-to-back games are winning with Justin Fields, and so many of us have been looking at the, the stretch run of this schedule and saying that there's the potential the Bears could start to stockpile wins. And Matt Eberflus could start to be a coach who ends up putting wins together. And now maybe it's the 2023 Bears are looking at the 2022 Detroit Lions in that Spider-Man meme kind of way. It's one thing to guess at it. It's one thing to say, yeah, they're starting to play better. And look at that defense. They're starting to do some things and make life tough. And, yeah, we're seeing Justin Fields. I feel like I'm seeing some things that look better, and he's starting to figure some things out. It's still imperfect. You would still rather he more consistently threw the ball with rhythm, timing, anticipation from the pocket. But, again, not every quarterback is created equally. And, like, I've talked to, to Danny Parkins about, like I've talked to Dan Bernstein, Lawrence Holmes about, like I've talked to Matt Spiegel about on this station, the decision would be easier if the Bears didn't have the number one overall pick for the second consecutive season, but they do. So there, there, there are levels to this for the decision the Bears will end up needing to make here. But to, to evaluate Justin Fields and, and pretend that he's not playing well, that he's not improving before our eyes, that would just – that would just be a dishonest sort of evaluation of it. It doesn't mean that it would be ridiculous, in my opinion, for the Bears to move on from him. And I'm still not completely sure which way that more likely swings at this moment. It'd be hard. It'll be a difficult decision. But the decision is being made difficult because the Bears are now winning with Matt Eberflus as their head coach. They're now winning with Justin Fields as their quarterback. And even the Justin Fields detractors – even if you want to say that the last five games and the stats, if stats are for losers or whatever else, now you're seeing back-to-back games. And I told you last week, or last game, excuse me, you know, before the bye against Minnesota, where he threw that pass to DJ Moore, and a lot of folks are saying, all right, he finally did it. I didn't view that as some he finally did it moment for Justin Fields because there were plenty of examples of Justin Fields in the fourth quarters of games executing his role in a way that you would hope a quarterback would execute his role as far as throwing it to a guy and hitting him in the face mask or throwing a fade route into the end zone and the receiver is looking back at the lights and he double catches it or whatever. But that doesn't mean he's blameless. Certainly doesn't mean that he's perfect. But now you are seeing, for those of you who felt like the fourth quarter was some sort of a Waterloo for Justin Fields, you're seeing back-to-back weeks now where in the fourth quarters of games, Justin Fields making critical plays at critical moments. And here the offense surged in the second half of the game against the team that was leading their division in the Detroit Lions. 312-644-6767. Let me go ahead and get another caller in here before I take another time out. Wayne is out in Lafayette, wants to talk about what's happening here with the Bears and the growth that we are seeing from this squad. What's happening, Wayne? Big Ann, always great talking to you, my friend. You're one of the best, man. You know I love you, buddy. Thank you, anyway, sir. Hey, I'll tell you what. Uh, Green Bay, you know how much I hate them. But Detroit, they're just a little bit behind them. I hate them, too. So I'm just so thankful. And we, we really gave them what they deserved. And, uh, but I want to talk to and thank Coach Plus for all he's gone through and what he's done for this defense. And he's, he's, he's bringing back the monsters of the midway again. They're starting to, they're starting to look like them again. And I'm just thankful for Coach Plus And I want Chicago to be thankful that we got him right now. And I just see all three of these guys – 
they're all reaching down, giving us everything they got right now. All on um, Eberflus, Getzy, and Fields, they're all reaching down to the very bottom they got and giving us everything they got right now to, to show us what they got. And it's really coming through as a team for us. So I'm just really thankful for that, Big Ant. I appreciate you, Wayne. Yeah, that, that's a good call, man, because there's not only the tension that's there in Hallis Hall, but you can you can feel, you can sense the tension around the city as well because there's it's not a whole lot uh, from a sports perspective to feel thankful for as you get through Thanksgiving and to see, I think Layla, Layla tweeted it out earlier. I, I got to look it up. I'll tell you after the top of the hour here. But Layla tweeted out there just some stat about how there was no team in this current sports calendar in Chicago that had won back-to-back games anywhere on their schedule. Now the Bulls had finally done it. Now here the Bears have finally made that happen as well. So, you know, folks are just, you know, there's a reason you put so much energy, so much intensity, so much love into these squads. And you want to see them do well. And I get that. You know, there's a lot of positive to it. It doesn't always manifest itself in a positive way, which is just a part of being human, I suppose. You don't want it to go too far afield with some of the negative reaction. But, you know, it, it's good to see folks. Like I mentioned, walking around this neighborhood and seeing these smiles on the faces of Bears fans, the excitement, the positivity. Can't tell. you. Even just working my way up here uh, to the station as I was on TV before I came over here, but seeing the amount of high fives and, and smiles and chest bumps and everything else, there's a positive energy about the Bears right now, that man, when you think back to a couple of months ago and assistant coaches left and right being, you know, being cut loose from Hallis Hall and all the, the intrigue that surrounded all those things, we certainly shouldn't overstate where the Bears are at right now, but it's good to see tangible evidence because in the walls at Hallis Hall, they're able to see it on a daily basis, just what improvement begins to look like, the players and the coaches that are putting that work in, but now, on the day that counts most, like we don't see the other six days, but then on that seventh day when, when the game is taking place, for fans, for the media, now to be able to see what some of that effort, that work, what, what a lot of that improvement is now leading to, then it's good to see Bears fans. It's nice to feel Bears fans being able to enjoy that in the moment because Chicago certainly deserves that as a sports populace. Get out of the way for the moment. Come back at the top of the hour. Take you up to Sunday Night Football coverage here. It's the Post Post Show. Phone lines are still locked and loaded. My main question, and we're going to get back to this at the top of the hour, between head coach, offensive coordinator, quarterback, Matt Eberflus, Luke Getze, Justin Fields, which of those individuals, you know, none of them have proven in a definitive way that they're amongst the elite in their sport. So if you got to replace them, which one is most difficult to replace? Because I think they're all making a strong case for how they're getting better at their individual task, and it is leading to collective success. But we don't know what Kevin Warren, what Ryan Poles is going to do with any of them right now. Who's most difficult to replace? Like, can you find a great head coach that easy? Can you find a great offensive play caller that easily? Can you find a great quarterback that easily? Curious for your thoughts. 312-644-6767. This is Post Post Show. I'm Anthony Heron. We'll be right back on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. 
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. I really just saw Green Guy, Green Grass. I was looking, you know, for DJ to throw because he was one on one in kind of the back corner. But um, then I kind of just looked down and just saw, you know, Green Grass right there. So um, it's just ran. We're back live with more Anthony Harris on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. So much Anthony Heron, you can't stand it. Got my guy Alex Coon on the ones and twos as well. Post Post Show on Chicago Sports Radio. 670 The Score. That was, of course, the voice of Bears quarterback, Justin Fields. We'll continue that conversation here in a moment, just letting you know. Taking you up to Sunday night football coverage here on The Score. The Dallas Cowboys host the Philadelphia Eagles. You will hear that live. One of the games of the week, maybe the game of the week in the NFL. Philadelphia at 10-2, and two, Dallas at 9-3. and three. And, of course, as you get through that, uh, be prepared because you can tune in all day Monday for reaction to Bears versus Lions. Gabe Ramirez will be live overnight from 12 to 5 a.m., followed by Mully and Haw, Bernstein and Holmes, and Parkins and Spiegel throughout your work day. So hang out with us on a Plumbers 911 Football Monday presented by Busey Bank and It's Not a Game Illinois.com. All of it can be heard on 670 The Score and the free Odyssey app. 312 644 I pose the question. And uh, I'm going to be curious to hear from some of the callers who are on the line right now. I posed the question a moment ago um, about that triumvirate because it, the three key figures who, who everyone kind of presumes big decisions will have to be made about are, of course, head coach Matt Eberflus, offensive coordinator Luke Getze, and quarterback Justin Fields. It's my contention that they're all getting better at their job. We're watching. I've been talking about it on this station, you know, just sort of, incremental ways that, yes, here's where they messed up. Here's where I think they did well. And that's just a part of our task here, especially when we get to football Mondays on the score. But big decisions will have to be made about all of them as Kevin Warren hits this offseason. And uh, and to the, the caller a moment, I think it was Robert. Well, I was trying to remember Kevin Warren's name, and I, I forgot to answer that part of the question. Yes, the gentleman from the Big Ten, that's Kevin Warren, former Big Ten commissioner who's now a team president and sort of de facto owner representative, uh, I, I suppose, uh, maybe a, a way to view his job of the Chicago Bears right now. But decisions will need to be made about key figures here. As I mentioned, I feel like Ryan Poles is likely uh, pretty safe for the time being heading into and through this offseason. But head coach – offensive play caller, and quarterback, some things will, will need to be decided from the Bears, whether or not they're going to pick up the fifth-year option for quarterback Justin Fields, or do you have a quarterback going into maybe kind of a lame duck season if you don't pick up the fifth-year option, but you keep him as your QB? Do you keep him and draft a quarterback? There's a variety of options that could play out there, 
but then as a head coach, if you decide that you do want to move on from Justin Fields, if you trade him away, or if you use the number one pick in the draft on a quarterback and then you keep Justin Fields on the roster, then he's really kind of a placeholder for that number one pick in the draft anyway. But in deciding about the head coach, if you figure that you plan to take a quarterback at the top of the draft with that number one overall pick that the the Carolina Panthers are all but kind of locked into that for you, you have the Panthers pick. So part of that decision is not only whether or not you believe Matty Berflus can be a winning coach in the NFL, which he is starting to look like, you know, back-to-back wins in the division, taking down the number one team in the division. Matty Berflus now starting to win some games. He's won five out of his last nine games as a head coach in the NFL after last season going through a teardown and the beginnings of a rebuild. So now he's starting to win some games. Tangible evidence shows he's getting better on the job. I know a lot of you are out on Luke Getze. I'm not completely out on Luke Getze. I tell you when he's bull jiving, but I'm not out on Luke Getze. I think overall Luke Getze had a good game today as a play caller. And I think more frequently than not, Luke Getze, in my opinion, has been gearing the offense more towards where his quarterback and his offensive line can have their most success. I still don't understand why you get through a first half of a game without DJ Moore having a target, but he did at least have carries. So we did see, like I'm sure as Luke Getze goes back and evaluates the film, he probably called it, I'm confident, he called a number of plays where DJ Moore was the number one option in the route progression. As I've already said multiple times here this evening, I do feel like Justin Fields looked hesitant in the pocket. He held the ball. He patted the ball a few times. One of the things that I, I look forward to Justin Fields getting out of his game, and this, this is not something that's easy to do in season. It's certainly not something that's easy to do with a recently dislocated thumb on your throwing hand. But there is an additional pat of the football. There is an additional sort of clutch of the football that Justin Fields kind of frequently has as he's preparing to deliver the football. And so there's some of the moments. There, there was a pass in the game today that he threw to Darnell Mooney on a hitch route that looked very similar to a pass that he threw that ended up you know, kind of making the decisive margin that he threw against Washington in the Bears' first win of the season that he threw out into the flat to D.J. Moore where he was in one-on-one coverage. And he got it out there, and it was just a fingertip, just seemingly an eyelash away from a defender getting a deflection or a pick six. And there was a moment in the game today on a pass he threw out to the sideline to Darnell Mooney that was very similar to that. And on both plays, they were examples of one of them before the thumb injury, one of them, of course, now since the thumb injury, where there's still those times, even beyond just the processing of the moment. But one of the terms that, that, you know, that we use in quarterback evaluation is the load to arrival, where once the quarterback decides he's going to deliver the football, how long does it take it from that information getting from his brain out through his right arm, and then when does the ball actually arrive on target? And so for Justin Fields, once he gets there, once he gets to the point where he knows his read, he knows where he wants to go with the football, there's times where he still takes an additional, not even a hitch with the lower body, but an additional pat with the hands, where it's almost like he's trying to adjust the grip of the football for just another moment. But the two examples I've given here, and those aren't the only two times we've seen that I've seen Justin Fields do that, but that's one of the things, one of the elements of his game beyond just the times where he's holding the football, where maybe he looks a little hesitant. But even in moments like that, where whether I don't think it's him finding the laces, it's, it's finding the sweet spot on the football or what, but that still comes up at times in games as well. Now, he's got the accuracy and the arm strength where he's gotten away with it a number of times. But 
that is an element of his continued growth as a quarterback, as a passer, where we're talking rhythm, timing, anticipation. That's something where even in, in those moments where he knows for sure where he's going with the football, that it just takes an additional Miller moment for it to get there. That can be the difference. That that can be the, the, the minutia of the difference between a pass that gets completed or ends up as a deflection or a pick six. I would imagine that's all a part of the evaluation specifically of Justin Fields. But in the end, there is so much positive that Justin Fields has, has brought to the table as well. And we're not just talking empty calorie kind of stats. Now, the Bears have not consistently won throughout his time here. I think this is what, like his eighth win as a starting quarterback. But man, has he made a lot of plays in the short time he's been in the National Football League. So it'll be tantalizing. He's going to be titillating for anyone around the NFL when they're looking at that. Any QB-hungry team who believes that Justin Fields may end up available, it's hard to imagine they won't be excited about what he could bring to the table for them if the Bears ended up deciding to move on. And my contention out of that triumvirate, the head coach, the offensive play caller, and the quarterback, those spots that are probably under the most scrutiny for the the higher level, for the, the brass at Hallis Hall, for Kevin Warren and the like, I'd say quarterback is the one that's most difficult to bring in someone who can play at a high level. Quarterback is the spot that's most difficult to bring in and say, all right, there's someone who can get it done at a winning level consistently in the NFL. There's someone who we think can get their tasks done at a high level, who can maybe even do it at an elite level. I'm not saying head coaches are a dime a dozen. There's a lot of bad head coaches in football, some good head coaches in football, and and occasionally you come across some elite head coaches in football. But a lot of coaches look much smarter when they have high-level players on their roster as well. Offensive coordinator, offensive play caller, yeah, that can be difficult to find. I think we know very well in Chicago there can be a lot of frustrations with offensive coordinators, with offensive play callers also in the end. I think quarterback out of those three is the most difficult spot. And so down the stretch here with now four games remaining for the Bears, if Matt Eberflus, Luke Getze, Justin Fields. Now, I think if they win out, then it might be easy in the opposite. It might be an easy choice to say, yeah, they all got to come back if that's what happens. You know, maybe it, it depends on a variety of things with, you know, key moments in games and who's doing what where. But if the Bears go on some kind of big-time win streak here and finish at 9-8, and eight, then I don't know. How do you not bring them back? But that's, that's a long ways away. But just living in a world where we can definitively say, I, I certainly feel like all of them are getting better at their job. But, man, did, early in this season, did they all look bad at their job? But they're all – we're watching the improvement of the head coach, of the offensive coordinator, and of the quarterback live in real time. But if, you can, if you're not going to move on from all of them, who's the one that it feels like if the Bears feel like we can't replace that? It's most difficult to replace any individual out of that triumvirate. I feel like quarterback is probably that spot. And I don't know. There, there's a lot of levels to it. You know, having the number one overall pick, that, that changes some of the math on what you feel like you can do or should do or how that plays out. But – I think the good thing, and credit to Matt Eberflus, credit to Justin Fields, credit to Luke Getze, all of them are are beginning to make that case where a couple of months ago, it probably felt easy, looked easy on the opposite end of that, where it's like, man, how are any of these guys going to come back with the way this thing was looking? And, you know, 
in the multiverse somewhere. This was kind of flipped on its head, and the Bears started stronger, looked like the team they've looked like the last couple of months. And, you know, it's we're in this universe. We're not in the multiverse right now. But I would say just the feeling about the future of this organization, the feeling of those three individuals, a lot of us, a lot of you, would likely feel very differently about them if the season began where it's at right now. But the thing is, in the football world, if you have it either way, you want to be the team that's ascending late in the season, which it's hard to – if you're out there saying the Bears aren't ascending, that you're not seeing improvement, then you're just not watching the same team that I'm watching here. 312-644-6767. Got a, let's get – I believe this is Chris who's out on the hotline right now. Chris, want to talk about Flus a little bit. What's happening, Chris? Yes, sir. What's good, Big Ant? What's good? Uh, so to answer your question, get rid of Getsy. Because <laughs> he at least got him for another year. And then, so here's my proposal. Demoting Flutes to the defensive coordinator, but I have a secondary question with that. So weeks one through four through five, defense was hot garbage. They brought in that uh, defensive analyst. All right, I, th- I think we may – oh, there you go, Chris. Continue, please. We, they brought in the defensive oh, analyst, yes. Yeah, they brought in that analyst. So my question is, is it, is it Flues that's moving the defense and, and progressing them as far as they are, as good as they are right now, or is it this analyst that's breaking down these teams and then giving the information to Flues, and then he's obviously doing what he needs to do with that? And I think it's uh, from, from Riot Alex. Phil Snow, I think, is that the analyst's name perhaps? But, yes. Uh, yeah. I, I, no, credit goes to Matt Eberflus. Uh Matt Eberflus is the one out there calling the defenses. And I understand the question. Uh, and part of it, my impression of, of the way Chris was posing the question there, is wondering whether or not if Flus is demoted and, and somebody else bring in, you bring in some offensive guy or something like that. You know, I'm not going to spend a lot of time belaboring that because there's, there's really not a world. I don't think anywhere in the multiverse that – a current head coach, especially a head coach whose team is improving under his watch, would even accept a demotion to bring in someone over the top of him. But specifically, just to answer the question about who gets the credit for the Bears' defense, the head coach and defensive play caller gets the credit for the Bears' defense. I mean, this is the Matt Eberflus defense. Phil Snow wasn't even here throughout the entire offseason and in the, the initial month of the year before at whatever point uh, Matt Eberflus and Ryan Poles brought him in. So, you know, some guy doing advanced scouting, it's not meaningless, but no. Uh, th- this is Matt Eberflus's defense. This is Matt Eberflus's team. And like I told uh, Bernstein and Holmes after the very first game of the season, my hope is that Matt Eberflus did eventually. He didn't do it as quickly as I would have hoped that he would. But some of the comments recently from Matt Eberflus do indicate to me that maybe he did have that conversation. Like I told Lawrence and Dan, Matt Eberflus needed to have a hard conversation with Luke Getze about what he was doing with that offensive game plan in the initial weeks of the season, and maybe that happened. So I'm not even going to say that Matt Eberflus doesn't get any credit for the Bears' offense because he's the head coach. You know, it's the Luke Getze offense, but he's got influence on that side of the ball as well, but certainly specifically to the Bears' defense. Um, there's no way I'm giving an analyst who's been here for a few weeks uh, much credit for that. I'm not going to say no credit, but I'm not giving him much credit for that. This is the the Matt Eberflus defense here. 312-644-6767. Jim's out in Grand Rapids. What's happening, Jimmy, on the Post Post Show? Hey, hey Big Ant. Uh, pressure and protection, uh, making both coaches look better. That hand pat you're saying, if you could coach it out with a pump fake, the same pat just turn it into a pump fake, freeze defenders, 
Um, the, the pick six is the six. You know, we're going to start scoring. We're we're getting our hands on the ball, intercepting it. The scores are coming next, probably in Cleveland. Um, that that theory Flues has where they return along the sideline. Can you expand on that a little? Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. So essentially, what you're doing, and actually, I, when I was on Bears Unleashed on Friday. And we always do our, our word of the day. I was an old English major. And so basically every show I'm on on Fox 32, we try to have sort of a, you know, sort of a, a grammatic kind of uh, element to that. So what we do on Bears Unleashed, we do our word of the day and our word of the week. And so at the end of the show we did on this past Friday, I, my word was ASCII. And part of that was I actually went through the explanation. Maybe I'll go find the clip and I'll maybe post it on my, my social media at Big Ant Heron at some point just to answer this question. I think uh, Jim uh, was the caller just posing that question. But there are rules to this, and you practice them on a weekly basis. And a coach like Matt Eberflus, I would imagine he even practices this situation multiple times during the week. The term I put up for my word of the week was ASCII because when you get an interception as a defender, the majority of those times the the word, kind of the, the catch-all phrase that ends up being used by defenses really throughout the, the higher levels of the sport in general, you usually hear guys yelling ASCII. Uh, I'm not going to you know, belabor a long uh, explanation of the origins of the term ASCII, why ASCII is the word, but it's, it's worth a web search if you want to go down that rabbit hole. But when you hear everybody yelling ASCII, that, that's alerting everyone on defense that there's been an interception, and the interceptor, he has a job. There's one thing that initially has to happen. The closest defender to that interceptor needs to take out the most dangerous player. Whoever that offensive intended receiver was, whoever the closest defender is, needs to immediately take a beeline toward that most dangerous player, that closest receiver on offense. Like you saw where Jalen Johnson, on his interception, on a fourth down, and sure, they lost some yardage by the pick. I ain't going to get mad at Jalen Johnson for getting another interception this season. That man is getting his money. But as he's running it back, someone should have went and got Amon Ross St. Brown. So that, that was a little bit of a violation there. You got to go get that intended receiver. Amon Ross St. Brown showed great hustle. No surprise there. He's a hustle man as a great playmaker as well. He was able to chop that ball out. Unfortunately, it ends up rolling out of bounds, and Detroit didn't get the recovery back to them. But then beyond that, getting the most dangerous, the intended receiver is usually the most dangerous man near the football as that offensive player turns into a defender. But then you also need to make sure you set up a wall. That's where you usually see a convoy of defenders leading the interceptor up the sideline. So those are a part of the OSCE rules that go into play where that gets practiced on a regular basis around the National Football League. Let me make sure I sneak another call or two in here before I get out at 312-644-6767. I see Joe is out in Beverly, wants to talk about what's happening with the Bears quarterback. What's happening, Joe? Hello. What's up, Joe? Anthony. Yes, sir. Yes. Yes. I think the Bears should double down on fields and – take the number one pick and trade it for like a three and a seven or an eight and get the best offensive lineman they can get because the Bears defense or offensive line is the most glaring deficiency. All right. Appreciate you, Joe. Yeah. So Joe is in on keeping Justin Fields and he believes that the Bears should utilize those early draft picks to, to double down on some additional playmakers, whether that be Marvin Harrison Jr., Joe's point, is that the offensive line could use some additional upgrading as well. The great thing is, like, if the Bears ended up deciding that they were going to give at least another year to Justin Fields, I certainly don't see a scenario 
where they say they go into the offseason and say, we got to lock this guy in long term. Let's give him nine figures to, to make sure he's our quarterback of the future. But I, I do still believe at this point he is in a position to try and earn the opportunity to be this Bears starter again in 2024. Um, and in, from Joe's perspective, he believes the Bears should utilize that to continue to bolster the offense. And to get deeper on the offensive line would certainly be a good thing, even though I think this current version of the offensive line is showing that they can play winning football. So I don't think it's a must, certainly not the number one pick, uh, let alone if you have multiple picks in the top five, top seven, certainly should, I think, end up with multiple picks in the top ten, really just depending on how high the Bears would ascend down the stretch here. But you'll have multiple first-round picks that you can access, and one of them will look like it's the number one overall pick, assuming Carolina continues to be absolutely dreadful down the stretch of the season here. So there's a lot the Bears will be able to potentially do if they do decide to stick with Justin Fields, as it seems the majority of the callers so far tonight would like. Let's get James in right now, who is, I believe, in Kankakee. James, what's happening? It's the Post Post Show. Hi, Anthony. Yes, be quick, please. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, to me it brings up a question as to maybe these three, um, you know, are three – uh, three of the legs of a three-legged stool, they may be growing together and learning each other in such a way that the chemistry that comes about uh, will create a real winner. I think um, from a quarterback standpoint, I remember Trent Dilfer, who you know years ago was not considered to be that great of a quarterback, but the guys on the team loved playing for him. And if Justin is that such a leader, it would be hard, in my view, to let him go. Uh, as those leadership skills are really and, and talents are coming to the top. So, uh, you know, from my perspective, if there were one going, I don't know, at this point, probably the offensive coordinator, maybe. All right. And that, that certainly seems to be the, where the momentum still is at this point. Frankly, I'm a little bit surprised. Not so much that you guys are, are all in collectively on Justin Fields, because that, as I do this show pretty regularly now, when the Bears lose, regardless of Justin Fields' performance, there are more people who are out than in. And then when the Bears win, there are more people who are in than out. Um, but I, I do think the the idea of maybe building more around Justin Fields, I do understand it, with, certainly with the numbers I mentioned here over the last five full games that Justin Fields has played. So looking forward to continuing this conversation. It's certainly more enjoyable to have the conversation when you were in a good mood because the Bears came out with a win. So I appreciate all of you calling in and sharing your thoughts on that on what looks like now a stretch run of the season here that could legitimately be building towards something for the guys at Hallis Hall. It's a fun place to be, and I'm happy for where they've found themselves at in the moment because so much effort goes into it, and it's good when there are tangible results that are that are now able to be accompanied with that effort. Sunday Night Football on the way here between the Cowboys and the Eagles, so I thank you for calling in. I thank Alex Kuhn on the ones and twos for me throughout this portion of the evening. I will be on with Bernstein and Holmes tomorrow. Make sure you tune in all Monday for reaction to Bears versus Lions. Gabriel Mears will be live overnight from 12 to 5, followed by Mully and Haw, Bernstein and Holmes, and Parkinson Spiegel throughout your workday. Hang out with us on the Plumbers 911 Football Monday presented by Busey Bank and It's Not a Game Illinois.com. All of it can be heard on 670 The Score and the free Odyssey app. This has been the Post Post Show. Anthony Heron here. I will be with Bernstein and Holmes tomorrow at 11 a.m., so make sure you tune in for that and tune in for everything we do on Chicago Sports Radio 670 to score. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t